0: So, my dear brethren, we uh, have seen in the, in the previous weeks that uh, uh, asedia and perfectionism are enemies of uh, Christian perfection, the, the Christian perfection to which we are all called and which alone allows us to enjoy the beatific vision. Only the perfect enter heaven. So either we achieve Christian perfection during our earthly life, or we save it up, we save the quest for Christian perfection for a very long and painful purgatory. But either way, only the perfect enter heaven. And we see that the road to perfection is particular to each individual soul. God's providence organizes our lives so that we have the best chance of growing in grace and virtue. And that's why we all have different crosses. Different crosses that are tailored to our specific needs. So God's providence. Allows us, tailors for us, gives to us our own personal crosses to push us on and upwards, lest we stagnate and slide downward. And the great challenge that we have to overcome in the spiritual life is the challenge of faith. Not simply faith that empowers our intelligence to assent to the truths of revelation. Uh, I'm talking about faith in God's providence. It's faith of a deeper kind. Faith in God's providence, so we have to truly believe that He does wish to give Himself to us, to me. But in order to do so, I must first be cleansed and prepared union with him. It takes very deep faith to accept that because then you accept what God's going to do to you in order to prepare you for union with him. Now we don't doubt our need for God's action in our lives, but we do doubt, we do lack faith when it comes to understanding the degree and depth to which God must go in order to subdue our tendency to self-seeking and self-satisfaction. And these tendencies, or this particular tendency of self-seeking, self-satisfaction incessantly pushes us to find ways of doing God's will comfortably without too much inconvenience. So we are like the blind man in the gospel. Blind to just how much attached we are to our comfort and to our convenience. We want a comfortable road to heaven we want to obey god on our terms we're always it's it's inherent in us right? inherent to how we view everything we we want a comfortable road uh, so we do love god and we do wish to serve him but we don't want it to be too painful And we shy away from committing ourselves 100% totally and radically. So we're blind. We're blind to our selfishness. And to be freed from our blindness, we first have to believe that we are indeed spiritually blind. And we have to repeatedly call out to our Lord, like this annoying blind man on the roadside, have to repeatedly call out to our Lord, who alone can provide the remedy, the remedy to our self-seeking. And that remedy is charity. Charity is explained by St. Paul in his Discourse to the Corinthians that we've just read. And by charity, we don't simply mean kindness to our neighbor. Often charity is reduced to that, but that's actually a consequence of charity. That's charity in action. In essence, charity is our supernatural response, prompted by grace, of course, supernatural response to the great truth that God is our creator Our Redeemer and our final end. Simple as that. We owe God everything and therefore we submit to Him entirely in every sphere of our lives. And we do this knowingly and lovingly. That's the charity St. Paul. Is talking about the whole of Christian perfection resides in the simple truth God is my all, I am nothing, I must commit myself to God who is my all. It's so important, it's so important to understand the simple truth of God's infinite glory, power, majesty, and our nothingness. (laughs) That God himself provides us with the resources to adequately respond to this truth. And that's where the theological virtue of charity comes in. So charity is an empowerment, that's what a virtue is, an empowerment of the soul. Charity is is, is not an acquired virtue, acquired through personal effort. Charity is an empowerment of virtue that is freely given by God and sustained, increased by God himself. We grow in charity, in the theological virtues, so faith and hope as well, through prayer, through reception of the sacraments, not through personal effort. They are theological. They come from God um, and they're sustained by God. And charity, St. Paul tells us, is the only theological virtue that we will retain in heaven. Faith will give way to vision, hope to possession, the possession of God. But charity will simply grow and grow And dilate our souls with inebriating love. That's the ecstasy of heaven. So the value of our lives, the direction of our lives, is measured by charity. By our love for God and our response to his sovereign majesty and our nothingness. And St. Paul is telling us, we may think that we're doing all the right things, but if charity is lacking, or if it's merely imperfect, if, our, if, if, if there is a lack of purity of intention, we love our neighbor for God's sake, but also for the advantages it brings us. So if, if, if our... If our Charity is imperfect. Then our efforts are, are are somewhat wasted, either completely wasted. If we are not in the state of grace, if there's no charity behind anything, then then all our efforts of perfection, are, of course, wasted. They're, they're incapable because we're spiritually dead. But if we're spiritually sick, tepid, then 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 much of the good that we do on a natural level has has a, a very limited resonance on a supernatural level. St Paul he says that we were once children and as such we spoke as children and understood as children and thought as children but now through baptism we've reached adulthood and we have to put away the things of children. We have to grow up spiritually. And spiritual maturity requires that we assess our lives according to the principles of the Gospels and the Epistles. that We frequently assess our lives. You do that when you go on retreat. You do that when you enter a time of prayer and penance, such as Lent. It means that spiritual maturity means that we place God's will above all else. We accept it. It means that Spiritual maturity means that we don't simply keep the commandments, but we actually embrace the Beatitudes. That's a far greater challenge. Spiritual maturity doesn't simply mean taking up our cross and following our Lord. It means being ready to be crucified to that cross to die on it spiritual maturity means assessing all things according to our relationship with god and and saint paul is quite clear in his epistle not today but elsewhere all things cooperate for the good of those who love god that's a declaration of utter faith in god's providence Remember, God doesn't want us to be good people. He wants us to be perfect, as his heavenly Father is perfect. So my dear brethren, let's take our spiritual lives seriously. Lent needs to make a difference to our daily routine. Lent should be a time when we're in earnest about our spiritual progress. So we need to read. We need to fast. We need to offer up sacrifices. And we need to come to the holy sacrifice. God's given us a church, we now need to use it. And hopefully some good habits will be acquired and, and they will remain after Lent, uh, after Lent. Habits that will help us place God in his, uh, where he needs to be in our lives. And that's, that's everywhere